Due to the COVID-19 self-quarantine, we were unable to film this week's readout and ask that you bear with us while we present an audio version and work on a satisfactory solution. I'm John Robson, and this is the Climate Discussion Nexus Readout, Episode 12. Every Wednesday at CDN, we put out an email called The Wednesday Wake Up, which discusses the big climate news of the past week, significant opinion pieces, and developments in science. And then in these readout videos, in this case, of course, audio, because we're still quarantined because of the pandemic, I take a few topics from the newsletter and offer some quick extra commentary. For more in-depth information, go to our website, that's climatediscussionnexus.com, Subscribe to the Wednesday Wake Up and also to our YouTube channel, that's Climate DN, because there's lots there to share and think about. This week's newsletter noted discussions about whether experts at places like the World Health Organization were too slow to wake up to the coronavirus pandemic. And we can't help but wonder if outfits like WHO, Health Canada, the American CDC, and others weren't too distracted by their fashionable interest in stopping global climate change to do what seemed, until very recently, to be the relatively unexciting job of protecting public health. Along with a surprising number of big bureaucratic agencies you'd think had other duties than jumping onto the global warming bandwagon and banging away. For instance, if you go to our blog page and search for Mark Carney, you'll see how this central banker, and he was Canada's and then Britain's, was insisting on the need to put climate change at the top of the monetary policy agenda instead of, I don't know, inflation or some such boring thing. And if the climate Kool-Aid is flowing even in the supposedly sober halls of central banks, where isn't it being served? In the case of the Who's Down in Whoville, we don't need to ask. We know. Because, as the Wednesday Wake Up discusses, there was a World Economic Forum essay in which a senior World Health Organization official named Arthur Wins spelled it all out for us. It turns out, by the way, that WHO has a whole division devoted to climate change, of which he's the head. Arguably, they have more money than they know what to do with, but I digress. In Wynne's view, as you doubtless guessed, the largest public health threat we face is not this deadly global pandemic that's happening now in real time. Nope. It's climate change. And if he'd said it last year, we might have cut him some slack over having his priorities out of whack. But he didn't. He published it last week on April 2nd, 2020, two weeks into the lockdown. Excuse me, folks. I'm just going to interrupt briefly here. I want to ask you to do something for us. You've heard of the 97% number. We've made a video about it. But now I want to talk about the 86%, which is the proportion, apparently, of people who are watching our videos but have not yet subscribed to our YouTube channel. I want to ask you to do that because it helps us to build our audience and build the channel. So... Button's right there. Just click on it. I can wait. Right there. You're subscribed? Great. Because that way, you'll hear about it as soon as we make a new video. And, as I say, it helps us to build the channel and sustain CDN. So, thanks for that. Now back to the show. So, here's a senior official of the World Health Organization surveying the worldwide wreckage of COVID-19 with its staggering death toll and massive economic devastation, a health crisis, and saying with a straight face that the real problem is global warming. Does no one in these organizations have any sense of proportion anymore? And it's not just central banks or the World Health Organization. Even the supposedly hard-headed realists in the mighty U.S. military aren't immune to alarmist derangement syndrome. For more on that, have a look at our new crystal ball video on the 2003 Pentagon report 
You see, we dug up a report, it's nearly two decades old now, from the U.S. Department of Defense. It was endorsed by top climate experts, it was touted in international media as a bombshell warning of the catastrophic dangers climate change would unleash on the world by 2020. Which is uh, now. Which means we get to go and check how well their crystal ball turned out to work. Not so well would be too kind a verdict. And there's no scurrying about trying to bury the report again under a big pile of, well, it was just a scenario, or we were thinking outside the box. No, the Pentagon presented it as plausible, and journalists presented it as all but certain. And so once again, the real issue is, how could a big bureaucratic organization have produced such a loopy document with nobody along the way calling it out for the rubbish that it is? And if your conclusion is that you can't expect common sense from big faceless bureaucratic agencies, especially in an age when they're all competing to advertise their self-importance and in the process boost their budgets by hyping climate alarmism, well, here's lesson two. Applying common sense is your job, and we're here to help. For instance, you've all heard about the threat of rising seas due to climate change. And one of the countless agencies in the vast, sprawling European Union bureaucracy recently put out a report warning that almost half of the world's sandy beaches will be extinct by the end of the century due to global warming. Oh, really? Why does waterfront property somehow keep getting more expensive? And why are the people who are driving up the prices of these beach mansions, including sometimes in bidding wars, the same celebrities and business leaders, and politicians, current and former, who are trying to convince us all of the global warming crisis? You almost get the sense that they don't believe their own rhetoric. In which case, they can join the club. And speaking of clubs, don't forget to join the folks enjoying our 1919 or 2019 contest, whose latest installment comes from London, Ontario. And the newsletter also offers a brief piece of good-sounding news about a surprise that greeted some scientists examining coral reefs near the Philippines. They found a region where underwater volcanic CO2 vents had pushed ocean acidity far above normal, and yet the local ecosystem was thriving. This unexpected discovery might explain how corals got through millions of years of far higher atmospheric CO2 than today, and also how adaptable marine life might be if atmospheric CO2 levels rise further. As always, there's lots more in the newsletter, and I hope you'll have a look at it. Pass it on to some friends, and make sure you sign up for a subscription if you haven't already. Thanks to the many people around the world who've been letting us know how much they value our content. We really appreciate the feedback and the encouragement. Speaking of which... I'm also asking you to visit our donate page. I know times are tough, but if you think it's especially important to push back against bad policy based on worse science when the economy is already hurting, please sign up for a small amount, $2, $5, even $10 a month. Those small regular donations make a huge difference for us. For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson.